Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, welcome back to Detroit is Different, live on location, Hot Sam's 100 years of business right here in the city of Detroit. And I'm talking about two of the people that are big homies to me, mentors, <laughs> uh, people yeah. that have looked at so much that has happened with the city and just mm -hmm. the style of the city. Uh, earlier, I interviewed Tony Stovall. Now it's Cliff Green of Hot Sam's. Cliff, how you feeling? I am well, my brother. How are you? Oh, everything is well. Excellent. Everything is well. Excellent. And uh, up this early Saturday before the big <laughs> celebration, 100 yes. years. How 100. do you feel about 100 years in business for Hot Sam's? You know what? It is a um, it's a blessing. Mm -hmm. You know, that Hot Sam's has been able to sustain itself over 100 years. You know, there's been recessions and depressions and through it all, um, Hot Sam's is still a stable in the city of Detroit. So we are truly blessed. Um, but, you know, we really have to give a shout out to the people, um, our customer base that has supported us over these 100 years. Mm -hmm. um, it is truly a blessing. And of course, without them, um, it could not be. Definitely. For sure. And and when you think about what that customer base is, uh, as I told in, in asking Tony, like you've seen the changeover in generations too. Uh grandfathers, fathers, grandsons, and it carries on. Uncles and nephews. Uh what does it mean when you see a whole family connect with this business and you've seen it grow? I mean, you know, it again, um, because Hot Sam's has been here for a hundred years, you know, we're dealing with third, fourth, and some fifth generations, you mm. know. Matter of fact, about uh, 20 years ago, I had a young man came in and he told me he graduated from uh, Northeastern High School, which was my high school. I graduated from Northeastern mm. in 1959 and that he bought his graduation suit from Hot Sam's. Uh -huh. And he said, if he wasn't mistaken, he still possessed that suit. Uh -huh. Maybe it didn't fit, but he still had that <laughs> suit that he purchased in 1959. So uh -huh. you get stories like that. And then, too, um, my school, Northeastern, every year we had a reunion, you know. So you had uh, people from, from the 30s that, that graduated from Northeastern, the 40s, the 50s. And these were all customers of Hot Sam's because Hot Sam's on the east side, Northeastern, Southeastern, those schools on the, on mm -hmm. the east side as well. And you had um, a variety of people. You had uh, Jews, Italians, you had blacks that, you know, mm -hmm. shopped at Hot Sam's throughout the course of years. Uh, matter of fact, Hot Sam's was established by a Jewish man by the name of uh, Simon Friedman, mm -hmm. who actually established Hot Sam's in 1921. So, um, but I think over the course of years, the majority of the customer base uh, became African American. You know, early on it was a mixture of probably 90, 75% more Caucasians because that's who had the money in the city of Detroit at that time. But over the course of years that changed. And, and like I said, now I would say 75% um, of our clientele um, is African American. Uh, and 25% I would say now is Caucasian. Over the last couple of years, um, Caucasians, uh, you know, white America, has really come down to patronize us. Mm -hmm. uh, some Saturdays, for an example, we've had more Caucasian customers come in than African Americans, you know. 
So they're beginning, in, in some cases, not to see color as a barrier mm -hmm. in terms of shopping with a um, African-American uh, store. And, and that's unique because, as we know, uh, when we look at like Claude Anderson's uh, Black Labor, White Wealth and yes. Poweronomics and just the understanding of, you know, patronizing black business black people definitely need to patronize black businesses because oftentimes you know for a black business to survive you need the black customer base you know? right right absolutely uh, historically so going beyond those means mm -hmm. definitely says something about uh the reach the service the product and what you have to offer oh for sure and what we think about what you have to offer i also say it's uh powerful to see two black men partner in friendship and business together absolutely uh when you all first moved on owning this space. What mm -hmm. was the pitch that Tony gave you? He said, hey, I told Cliff, what, what was the pitch and what were you thinking when you said, all right, let, let's let's do this? Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Tony and I had worked together for over 10 years at Hot Sam's. Uh -huh. uh, my background was a little different than Tony. Tony's, he started at Hot Sam's, I think, in 1973. Um, and I started at Hot Sam's in 83. But by way of... Um, before I came to Hot Sam's, I worked at a men's clothing store on Van Dyke and Harper, Bill's menswear, through high school as well as through college. Uh, when I graduated from college, I uh, worked at J.L. Hudson Company for six years. So I was a buyer, department manager, and the assistant personnel director, you know, over the course of six years. So uh, when Tony came to me in terms of us partnering, partnering to, you know, uh, own the business, you know, I didn't have any fear because I had managed the business, I had bought, you know, human resource, so I had all that experience, you know. So the biggest thing was to, to be able to put together uh, um, a business plan mm -hmm. to secure the amount of money that we needed to purchase the business, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, thankfully we were able to secure, we put together a, a business plan that showed in the worst case scenario that uh, we still could serve as our debt. Mm -hmm. And uh, we produced that business plan to a couple banks. Mm -hmm. um, Comerica was one, and then Michigan National was another. Mm -hmm. uh, Comerica offered us half of what we needed, yeah. and Michigan National offered us three quarters of what we needed. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we went with Michigan National, yeah. and then the owner took a note for the balance. Wow. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, you know, the bank gave us 10 years to pay it off. Mm -hmm. But thankfulness, back during that time, business was good. We bought a going concern business, a business that was already going. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a going concern business, a business already in process and going. And uh, so basically all we had to do is take the keys and continue to, to go because we were 90% of the business anyway in terms of the volume, bringing in sales and things of that nature. Um, so it was no fear. It was just getting securing the loans that we needed to to buy the business. Yeah. So so you 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 move in that direction where it it becomes real, but also uh, both of you all um, families too, because business is a family affair. As, For sure, uh, as my you know my my mother uh, grandmother yes. always supported my my grandfather and my father in business so yes. getting the buy-in from your wife and his wife because you know it, it you're taking on a different amount of risk as they say oh, for entrepreneurship sure. oh, is for risk sure. and you're looking at now you know possibly you know buying a business you know that could be you know yeah. anywhere from half a million to a million dollars worth of a loan and it's like yeah. all right oh, one yeah. second well, what, what are we doing here like yeah. what was that buy-in in that conversation uh getting your family to to know okay 
we're going to transition into ownership and then preparing for something like that. Right. Well, first of all, it was closer to a million than a half a million, I, I tell you that, you mm -hmm. know. And uh, so getting the, the, the family or the wives to, to buy into it, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's an opportunity, you know. It's a, it was a great opportunity buying a business that was already in process, you know, of going concerned business. Um, and then the thing is, with just convincing the wife it's okay to put your home up for collateral. Okay, what's because, that? Because, you know, yeah. those are things yeah. that you have to do. You put your yeah. home up for collateral. And then also you have to give a certain amount uh, from the bank. You have to give 10% of your savings from the bank towards yep. that loan, you know. Um, so, you know, once uh, my wife was comfortable, as well as Tony's wife was comfortable with that, then, um, you know, it was a, a smoother process. Yeah. Of course, um, anytime you go into a business venture, you know, you always have to look at the downside. You know, if it does not succeed, mm -hmm. then what? I mean, do I lose my the business or the money that we put in, my family and all those type things, you know, you, you consider those things as well. But on the upside, I always thought positive about it. I never mm -hmm. thought about, you know, losing. Mm -hmm. I thought about the business winning. growing and winning and mm -hmm. being victorious, of course, and um, this, this, this venture because um, in, in, in this venture, in this business here, my family, and I'm quite sure Tony's family as well, we had never embarked upon uh, a business venture as such. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, I remember my mom or my dad telling me back in the days of the South, because I'm from the South, I stayed there for the first six years of my life with my grandparents. My parents came here at the age, when I was at the age of two, to find work at uh, Ford and Chrysler and things mm -hmm. of that nature that my granddad, um, his father had, uh, was a businessman because he had a farm mm -hmm. and they did cotton. Mm -hmm. So he used to hire people to work for him to pick the cotton, you know. So that's a form of, you know, owning yeah. a business, entrepreneurship, yeah. okay. And I'm not sure if I, I gained that um, desire to be a business person from, from, him. from him or not, mm -hmm. but I'm sure that was part of the equation. You know, and, and, and um, you touched on uh, something else that I always with Detroit is different interviews. And, yeah. And Tony spoke about his family from Arkansas. Whereabouts your family? And uh, you mm -hmm. said the factory jobs led them here. But whereabouts in the South? Well, my family is from a town called Livingston, Alabama. OK. That's my mom. And my dad was from Bellamy, Alabama. OK. And uh, like I said, for the first six years of my life, I grew up in the South. Right mm -hmm. now, as a kid, I do remember. um my grandparents going to town, as we used to say, going to town yeah. in a wagon driven by a mule mm. or a horse, mm. you know, to go to the grocery store to, yeah. to do your shopping and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, uh, come back home. I mean, you know, you go in a wagon, you come back in a wagon, you know. I remember as a kid, um, you know, then I used to run around with, with no shoes on, you know, no socks, no shoes, you know, just little short overalls, you, you know what I mean? Um, my grandmother used to grease my legs on Sunday and uh, we go to church and no shoes, mm -hmm. you know. And possibly if I had a pair of shoes, it was one pair mm -hmm. and it might have had a hole at the bottom where you had to put paper in, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, and then I also remember, um, you know, we had an outhouse. We didn't have a restroom. Mm -hmm. We didn't have that at that time, okay. Mm -hmm. 
I remember going into town, as we'd say, and you would see a, a fountain for colored only, for, for white only, you know. Hmm. So I remember seeing those things during my lifetime. And to say that um, I would go from maybe not having a pair of shoes or maybe having just a pair of little overalls as a kid uh, to uh, be, an owner be in of a, a position. A now, mm-hmm. if you choose to have, you know, 10 pair of shoes, you could. If you choose to have 50 suits, you could. But I'm modest. I don't, that's not me as yeah. a person. You know, my mother and my dad, you know, we had uh, taught me with, you know, a lot of character, morals and values and things of that nature. And uh, to always be humble. So that's that's been me throughout life. Uh, to be remain humble, even though you gain certain things in life, um, just as quick as you gain those things, you can lose those things, you know. So um, I've always been a humble person. So I don't exceed over indulge in buying anything in this business, mm-hmm. even though I can have it. I just yeah. don't indulge in, in doing so, you know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just thankful in terms of where God brought me from and to. And sometimes I'm reminded that it's not where you start, but where you end. Yeah. And also reminded that, as the scripture says, your ladder is sometimes greater. Yeah. So I would say that in this part of my life, the ladder is greater. You know, I've been blessed. You know, I have eight kids, you know, eight children, all my children. My youngest is 21, you know, so they're all on their own and doing well. Mm-hmm. College graduates, you know, part of them. My daughters are anyway. My sons, they could have been, but they chose other avenues, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I think about life overall and I think about, uh, you knew my oldest son, Clifton, yeah. who passed yeah. in 2012. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of how... My family's been blessed because the families in California was paying a half million dollars to get their kids in USC. Yeah. My grandson got a full scholarship to go to USC academically. Yeah. You know. So so that's a blessing. So I try and look at the blessings overall, you know, look at the positive and not so much negatives, even though you have to deal with the negatives, you know. Yeah. Uh, You deal with problems, but you don't let the problems have you, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But anyway, um, the South really prepared me to be, to have humility, okay? Because in the South, everyone, you know, spoke to everyone. You know, people riding down the road, they're going to wave at you, mm-hmm. you know, very polite. They're going to wave, they're going to speak, they're going to invite you by for dinner, you mm-hmm. know, um, and things of that nature. Well, up here in the North, it's a little bit, it's, it's, it's a little bit culturally, culturally it's, a, it's, a different, it's a different in, uh, in that kind of culture. You know, you walk uh, next to somebody that may speak yeah, to you, yeah. they, they may, may not speak yeah, to yeah, you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there, everybody would speak to you. It, it's just a very respectful culture. And, yeah. and I have, I have the question <laughs> okay. also in, in culture is the style yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, does the Detroit style and culture stand out in your mind, like to, of, of what we do and how we do things? Like uh, because you know, it's a, it's a different. Swagger, well, I think that especially when it comes to uh, getting a suit from Hot Sam's, then I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a, a, compare, a competitor. Well, Detroit, uh, you know, and, and we we say that uh, Detroit, especially us East Siders, uh-huh. we've always had a certain swag. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, so we've always believed in dressing, mm-hmm. you know, looking good uh, from head to toe. I yes. mean, that's just been our reputation. Yeah, you, you go know. to the right cabaret on the yeah, east yeah, side, yeah. You, you, and, and you will not want to bring your woman unless you are right, right. clothed the right way. <laughs> and not so much, of, and even being clothed the right way, we also had a certain stride yeah. in terms of our walk. 
Yes. That's East Side Walk. Well, yeah. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, there is a distinct difference in terms mm-hmm. of, um, you know, being in the city, uh, growing up in the city, understanding the culture mm-hmm. of the city. You know, understanding that the east and the west side is two different uh, cities almost. Mm-hmm. Even certain parts of the east side, if you grew up yeah. on the east side, it's still a different culture, maybe mm-hmm. from the part of the east side that you grew up on, you know. So you have to understand how to to, to, to uh, mingle in in terms of where you are. Yeah. You know. Definitely. Um, so, you know, thank God that, uh, you know, Tony and I have been able to do that. Um, I, I met Tony... Uh, I think back in 1971, I was was attending the University of Detroit, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, a friend of mine, a friend of Tony's, was also uh, a student at the University of Detroit. Mm -hmm. And I remember he brought Tony up to UAD um, to play basketball. Yep. So yeah. we we played we were competitive we played I can, basketball. I can only imagine the uh, you know the amount of trash talk coming from yeah, uh, Tony yeah, yeah. on the so basketball we, court. Yeah, so <laughs> we we played back then. We played some serious basketball. Oh, I can imagine. So and I think that uh-huh. competitiveness kind of goes into the business. Mm-hmm. You know, because back then losing was not a part of our thought process. Thought it wasn't a part of our yeah. thought process. No, yeah. we're gonna win. We're going out. We're gonna play hard, uh-huh. and we're gonna win. Yeah. I'm not sitting on the bench. No, that's just not who I, yeah. who I am and who he was as a person. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we took that same attitude into the business. Mm. You know, okay. that uh, it's, it's going to be a winning situation. We're going to play hard. You know, we're going to play to win. So, as you talk about playing to win and uh, mm-hmm. playing hard, I definitely want to just get into, like, what do you see for the future of uh, what's next for Hot Sam's? Uh, and also just continuing this tradition of, like, a... a, a a brotherhood of a friendship in business, also a family well, resource. Like, mm-hmm. what do you see for the future of? Well, a couple of things. You know, I, I and I heard Mr. I heard Tony mention in terms of how the youth, his daughter, has come in and and and, and she's more in terms of she's excellent in marketing. Yes, she's yes, excellent Lauren, Lauren Stovall, and uh, um, is, is you know, great. And then with this new technology age, mm-hmm. you know the computers, internet, and things of that nature. Well, that's the wave of the future. Um, um, we also, over the course of years, and what we've talked about over the course of years is, you know, being able to establish um, what we call generational wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, you have longevity in a business, you know, you, and you have buying power, mm-hmm. okay? And that's how you can develop your generational wealth with longevity and buying power. Therefore, when you go to the market, just like everybody else, you know, you have the, the buying power and you have the generational wealth. So you can compete. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, many of our, uh, uh, over the course of years, African-Americans have not had those two factors. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been short on buying power and wealth. And when you don't have buying power and wealth, you really, doesn't have, you really don't have a voice in the community. Yeah. Because the power is to be actually listen to people who yeah. have wealth and and also power, uh you know and also so, i think uh we as black businesses have social capital i think yeah. when i think of social capital like hot sam just just uh you and tony mm-hmm. alone you know a name drop 
opens up doors for many folks. Yeah. But especially when that name drop is validated when a person two seconds later gets on the phone and calls you and tell you like, hey, you know. Uh, right, right. You know? And, and see, that's so true. Uh, having a social status. I remember when Tony and I bought the business, mm -hmm. uh, many of our friends were uh, saying to us, you know, you guys should change the business name to Tony and Cliff. Mm -hmm. Well, that was their thought process. We knew that um, Hot Sam's had value mm -hmm. and Hot Sam's had goodwill mm -hmm. because of their longevity in the industry. And people knew Hot Sam's throughout the country. Okay. They didn't know Cliff and Tony throughout the country. Yeah. But they knew Hot Sam's. Now, had not we, hey, hey, how you doing, brother? Had we listened to those folks who was telling us to change the business name to Tony and Cliff, we would not be celebrating 100 years. No. Okay? Mm -hmm. But because we were not led by them, but led by the spirit, you know, mm -hmm. God led us to, to be sound and have a base and understand where our blessings come from and that we had no fear in, in, in keeping the name Hot Sam's and growing that name Hot Sam's, you know, because now we can pass that business, we can pass this business on to our children. And because we can, it now has value that they can use. Yeah. The name of Hot Sam's to open doors as well. Yes. Because Hot Sam's, the name Hot Sam's did open many doors for us. And they can keep carrying on yeah. the tradition. So it's a concurrence of being able to, mm -hmm. um, if our children decide they want to, you know, continue the business, mm -hmm. well, the name has value. Yeah. You know, you pick up the phone, well, my dad, uh, you know, owned Hot Sam. Who's your dad? Yeah. Mr. Green or Mr. Stovall? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember him. What do you need? Yeah. You see, that's how you get the favor. True. Okay. True. And by being responsible. See, because like uh, when we took the business over uh, some years ago, it was said by many of the other store owners in this area. We had Sermons, we had Jailstones, we had Broadway, we had Jerry's. Yeah. About four or five different stores at that time. And they thought and they said that uh, we wouldn't be in business for no more than six months. Yep. Okay. Hmm. because they didn't think we had the business savvy. Yeah, to, to be in the market. To be in the market or to operate a business. Yeah. They didn't think we had that savvy. But like I say, my degree was in business from the University of Detroit. Hmm. Okay. So I, I bought for Hudson's mm -hmm. for 14 stores. Mm -hmm. I was a manager on the men's, in the men's department on the main floor, Hudson's downtown. I was a manager. You know, and then I was the assistant personnel director at Hudson's Northland. Mm -hmm. So I had experience. I've been in retail, had been in retail at the time since 1967. You know, I started off in high school taking a tailoring class. You know, where I used to make clothes in high school. Mm -hmm. We used to make all the blazers for the faculty members uh, for schools that they wore on Fridays. We made all the little skirts for the cheerleaders at my school. You know, that was my trade. And my co-op teacher, matter of fact, in the 10th grade, she uh, got me a job in a men's clothing store on Van Dyke and Hopper called Bills, you know. So I had been in retail, man, when, when Tony and I bought the store in 94, since 1967. Hmm. I mean, so that was my niche. You you you, you had the confidence. Yeah, you knew yeah, it yeah. could work, so like you said. I never, never not had the confidence, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, after I left Hudson's, I kind of ventured off and did a, um, my partner and I were off into sales and distribution of athletic sportswear to various schools in the city of Detroit. We sold and distributed um, 
um, quite robust of various churches. We um, did custom alterations for men and women. Hmm. Uh, we sold women leather outfits, suede outfits for females. And uh, so, you know, I just had a lot of experience. So part of my customer base back then when I moved the, the, the alterations in my home after my partner and I closed the business after three years because of the recession, because of the recession. But, you know, Coleman Young's attorneys were my customers. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, the Four Tops were my clients in terms mm -hmm. of alterations, you know. I worked at Blue Cross for six months as a research uh, uh, analyst. It was being sued, so they needed someone to come in to mm -hmm. do some research for hiring practices. And so I just had a lot of wealth of experience. Yeah. You know, so that's why I said fear and failure was not really an option. Yeah. I mean, those are things you have to look at, worst case scenario. But it was just not part of what was happening. What was happening, you know. I understand. Um, so you know, we've 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 you know we've been blessed, mm -hmm. and um, and like I said, prayerfully, our children, one of my, one of our children might decide to take the business over. Matter yeah. of fact, my son Chase. I don't know if you remember son Chase, but um, he worked here. All my matter of fact, most of my boys, five boys, have worked here yeah. at some part in time, point in time, you know. But anyway, Chase, my um, uh, he has a son, and he used to work in the store with us. And uh, so, when little Chase would be in the store, we used to teach him business ethics, right? So when he answered the phone, Hot Sam's, how may I help you? We had five. We had him answering the phone, right? So one day a customer called, and he answered the phone. He said, Hot Sam's, how may I help you? And the customer said, uh, Could I speak to a salesman? So my little grandson said, well, I am a salesman. So the customer said, well, can I speak to older salesman? <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> we told him you are a salesman. So he believed at five that he was a salesman. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's how you start them. You know, um, my wife uh, made cookies from time to time, certain occasions. And she'll have them come down and set up. And he sell cookies. Yeah. You know. So, you know, getting him to understand the, the, the business concept. Yeah in terms of selling and servicing, you know, and to also understand how you have to produce a quality product in order for the customer or the consumer to buy your merchandise. Now, there's a couple of things with Hot Sam's. Um, we always say that uh, one thing about Hot Sam's, our quality is, is so good that our merchandise just lasts too long. Mm -hmm. You know, it never wears out because of the quality, mm -hmm. you know. But we preferred having that uh, reputation than having a reputation of uh, not selling quality goods, you yeah. know. I believe, I'm a strong believer in quality and service. Yeah. You know, I think that's what keeps your doors open. Yeah. You know, quality and service. Um, um, initially, when we open up, I tell people that um, in order to sustain a business, you got to take care of your business. We as African Americans, you got to be professional. There's just certain things you got to do. You got to mm -hmm. um, pay your taxes, number one. Yeah. You know, you got to open on time. You got to close on time. You got to serve the people. And you got to make the people feel that they're the most important thing at that particular time. They are the ones that keep your doors open. You know, you don't keep your doors open. I mean, you are a part of keeping your doors open. But it's that patron, it's that customer who well, service you yeah. who keeps your doors open. True. Yeah. True. So you got to make them feel like they're the king and queen at all times. And even if they're wrong, you have to find a way to soft 
soft it, you know, make it a little bit softer, give them a different approach in terms yes. of, okay, why don't you think about this, uh -huh. you know, opposed to just being so direct, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, our people, because our people uh, were peculiar, uh, when, I know I'm going on, but <laughs> when Tony and I first took over, right, mm -hmm. about six months after we took over, a customer called, and he said, you know what, man, I need a white suit. And he, but before that, he said, I saw you guys on the commercial when you took over. And I was just so happy. I was so proud, man, to see my brothers take over Hot Sam's, right? So he tells me at the same time, he said, you know what? I needed a white suit. And um, I went to the warehouse and they didn't have it. And then I thought about Hot Sam's, right? Mm -hmm. So that's when he called. So in my mind, I'm saying, if you were so happy for us, yeah. why were then we not your first choice? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you that happy, we should have been your first choice. Yeah. Not your second. Now mm -hmm. we're grateful that you still came. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we should have been your first choice. So we as African Americans, I think if we understood economics, see, that's one of the things that we were really never taught in school economics okay the power of the dollar okay because we spin away our power and then we become voiceless but then we want the power to be the listen it just doesn't work that way so um understanding economics i think if they had done a better job of that in school when we came up i think we would be much further ahead i listened to uh, some of my jewish friends okay when their babies are born, they have mutual funds, they have stocks, they have bonds, they have savings certificates, mm -hmm. you know. So when their babies graduate from high school, they have over a couple hundred thousand dollars already tucked away. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good start for business, for a home or for mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've never been fortunate enough to understand that if we power you know, if we pool our resources together like that, we could be in the same situation. Um, understanding that as African-Americans, you know, we, we really need to learn to unite more together. You know, we can unite and understand that everybody doesn't have to be the chief. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? You know, you can have a leader and everybody else can join in to make the process work. And that's what I also think is so beautiful and amazing about this business. It is the brotherhood partnership. Yes. Because uh, oftentimes, uh, even when I was interviewing Tony, like uh, when you hear about business, it's, it's the rugged individual going out for self, focusing on self, really mm -hmm. don't bring in your family. Mm -hmm. You don't want to mix in with your friends. It can be bad, but you all hop so many of those hurdles by making this a community resource. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm where where everyone feels welcome but you definitely even through that friendship i think that spreads out to everybody in you oh for like sure it changes the tone of of like you know is it uh he said like you know nobody's feeling like it's my store today and then it's your store the end and i come in at 10 and you come in at 12 like it's it feels very community yeah it, it is community you know and um in business particularly in this partnership mm -hmm. um we understand our role, you know. My role is more operation, mm -hmm. you know, that's my role. 
even though I do other things as well. I do mm -hmm. interviews and do some marketing as well. And Tony's role is more marketing. I mean, he's the, the marketing guy. He's that's what he does. That's his specialty. You know, even though he participates in, and you know, in some operation too. But you know, that's my role. You know, and I feel responsible for that. And you know, I've done it since we've um, bought the store in '94. Yeah. And his role has been marketing. So, and between the two of those, you know. Uh, you know, I don't step on his toes. He don't step on my toes. You know, we do the best for the business. Yeah, it's not a personal thing for me. It's it's a business. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to leave a legacy mm -hmm. for our children, yeah. and then just to leave the legacy uh, for the name of Hot Sam to say at some point in time, years from now, that a black two brothers, yeah, both from the east side of Detroit ran a successful business. Yeah. So that can be a roadmap for any of our future mm -hmm. young people. Definitely. To say that it can be done, mm -hmm. that it's not impossible. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like I say, you know, we and we understand, hey, Jane, we understand a niche. Mm -hmm. Because in business, you have to have a niche, mm -hmm. you know, and our niche is, is being able to... Um, service the community with a quality product and uh and, and as we get to a close classic detroit is different questions one i'm gonna ask differently sure um, first car you're making model what year did you get it first car and i today if i had known uh -huh. then what i know now i still would have had my first car my first car was a 1957 chevy Oh man! A classic. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. People a classic. be clamoring over that car. A classic that I bought from my uncle. Okay. Okay, and this was in nineteen. Did he really sell it to you, or did he sell it to you? Well, he gave it to me for a hundred dollars, right? Okay. So okay. that's Nothing you know said. you want to say hey, then yeah, was probably yeah. like a little bit of yeah. to work. It was like a hundred then may have been like what a thousand, you know, maybe a thousand dollars, you know, thousand dollars today. Yeah. But for a fifty-seven Chevy, and I, I, I said to myself, what was I thinking to get rid of that car? I just was not thinking clear, you know what I mean? Because when you're young like that, you, you want newness. Yeah. I wanted to get another air, a new car. And yeah. uh, so I kept it for a couple of years, and I, you know, I wanted to buy a new car. Do you so, remember the first place you went with it? Um, School. Okay, so you got a car. To I drove it to school. school. Okay. I drove it to school. And I know you became a, a ride for everybody eventually. Well, you know what? The difference in me in terms of me going to school, driving my car to school, I worked after school. Hmm. So directly after school, I went straight to work. Hmm. There you go. You know what I mean? yeah, so that's how you had that hundred dollars to buy the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so therefore, everybody was not able to partake in me riding them to different parts of the city. My my, my trip was to work, uh, you know. And uh, but yeah, that was my first car, nineteen fifty-seven Chevrolet, pink and white, hmm. four door. I remember it just like I can see it today, you know. Uh, Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you the different last mm -hmm. question. If you're the DJ at the end of the fireworks in Detroit, Woodward and Jefferson, uh, what song are you playing uh, at the end of the fireworks? You can pick any song. Um, it would have to be, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the song, but something like, let's, I'm trying to remember the name. It's Let's Get Along, Let's Live Together in Peace and Harmony. I just can't remember the name of the song, mm -hmm. but that would be my, mm -hmm. you know, 
theme song in terms of us uniting, getting together, living together in peace and harmony okay. as a nation. And if, I guess you could probably say we are the world then. Okay. Uh, we, are, we are the world. You could go uh, uh, so everyday people. Everyday, from, uh, yeah. Slide the family. Yeah, right, right, right. One of those songs, you know, that okay. have some unity mm-hmm. in it. You know, mm-hmm. that would be my theme song. Okay. Because of such division mm-hmm. in this country right now. I'm gonna I'm say in the vibe, but you you feeling the. The, the clothing gives me that 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 Bay Area feel. So we're gonna throw this out to Sly, even though I still think the best funk yeah. is in Detroit. But we love Sly. I man, fam, I love Sly. <laughs> Sly was one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, uh I was listening to one of his uh songs recently. And it was just a classic, man. It just makes me it makes me move every time I would think about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sly was a classic. Yeah, my dad loves Sly. He likes Sly too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sly yeah. and the Family Stone. Yeah, there we yes, go. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right, yeah, hundred years. Uh, you know where we're gonna be at. You're gonna find out more about this celebration. Make sure you can come on out. Everyone is welcome from the city of Detroit. If you've never been to this establishment, you've never met these people. If you think what I do is cool, and you wonder like, okay, how did I get into cool stuff? You gotta meet like the collection, and these are two of the best big homies you can meet, especially if you're a young black man, uh, or your mother with young black men. Like a lot of people say, they come in here and can soak up some good game. Thank you so much. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate you. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.